So my first question is, what if if you could only pick one word, how would people describe you? Um, ooh, one word. Let me let me respond by saying, um, the one thing that people know about me is. Welcome to another episode of Paris, Texas, a podcast. This podcast is brought to you by 107. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring this podcast. If you guys haven't, go check out 107 downtown Paris, Texas. The one thing that people know about me is that I live by a calendar. <laughs> like Hannah and I, we we share personal events through the same calendar. Like mm-hmm. our calendar is everything to us because in the business world and the personal world, when you have two kids, you're always um, scheduling something all the time. And so there, it, it wouldn't be uncommon to have 10 or 12 things just on one day. And so people, friends tease us about our schedule. So I would say there's a, there's some OCD there, but I would say, I'm going to call, I'm going to say it for you. And I'm going to say this because I, I've known you for a while and I've been on, on jobs with you. I'm going to call it organized. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, I don't know. I just I feel at peace at night knowing that I've got a full day the next day, mm-hmm. and I've got people in a position to succeed the next day because we've got everything organized and scheduled out. So, and it may not be as simple as one to two p.m. It could be something. Here's your agenda for the next day. And I'm willing to bet it trickles down into other parts of your life because even like how you pack out your cases, if you open a case, it's organized. That's right. So I'm willing to bet even like in home life and in like other things in your life, it's it, I'm willing to bet they're all organized. With the exception of my desk, it's a little <laughs> it's it's a little cluttered, but I'm but there's there's some structured places there. Like I I know where it is but yeah even like going camping or something with yeah. our camper it's like everything has its place and yep. you gotta hook up the right way and take out the right way and it goes back the way it's supposed to go so if you're gonna take i always tell the kids if you're gonna take something out that's fine but put it back but put it back in its home yes don't just put it don't just throw it in there put it back in yes. its home let's, let's look like we don't have a chaotic house but my that's wife difficult. is the exact same way sorry i'm pausing this so it doesn't make a lot of noise um hold on one second alexa Stop. <laughs> Let's just tell everybody, like, I came in on this, on this podcast on two wheels, and that's been my day. Yeah. From, I've had, like, five different things scheduled today, and it's kind of like, you know how this is. Uh-huh. The first one got off, and yep. then it was just the next one. I oh, was yeah. uh, two wheels into the next one and two wheels into the next one, and then this last <laughs> one got really off, so I was, I was late to this meeting. It's all good. Um, hey, it can snowball on you in a hurry. Uh, but it's Monday though. It is Monday. <laughs> I kind of forgot it was Monday. Uh, Joe Kyle Varner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. When you called me, I was like, I didn't know. I mean, I kind of feel privileged to be on this thing. Oh, I'm excited that you're on it. Well, thank you for having me. So I start that now we're starting the real podcast and I start all the podcasts in the same place. Where were you born? I was born in Paris, Texas. Yes. I was born on January 1st, 1987. Really? Yeah, the first uh, baby born at McQuistian Hospital in nineteen eighty-seven. Really? Yeah, it was kind of a big deal back then. You know, the the TV crew. There was a I don't know if you knew it, but there was like a a news station of some sort in Paris at that time. And yeah. 
all over the front page of the Paris News. I mean, I was kind of a celebrity for one day in Paris. That's amazing. I've never I I do remember when they used to make a bigger deal out of that. Yeah. I think every year they would make yeah. a deal out of that. And I don't think that's a thing anymore. No, it? I want to I want to say that it ended in 1987 when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> But it is kind of cool to be like, okay, I was the first baby born in this hospital in yeah. this town. Yeah, it's it, and it's always a conversation piece that everybody thinks that's so cool. It's yeah. the, you know, if it was up to my dad, um, I would have been born a few hours earlier on to wrap up 1986 for tax purposes. <laughs> but now, do you have like newspaper clippings? Oh and, yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. Mom and dad still even have the little tape that they recorded from the news station, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's cool for sure. So that that's the best like right out the gate story I think I've ever gotten yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> that's awesome. Usually it's just like, yeah, I'm from Paris, Texas, and then that's that that's the end. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so you're born in Paris, Texas. Uh and I'll I know some of the story because we've been doing a, a project together. But what like what was life like? What like what was your dad what was your dad doing in that time frame? Yeah, so um my dad was hired at the Paris Police Department in eighty four mm-hmm. and uh the mom and dad moved they got married in eighty three, he was hired in uh eighty four and uh, actually correction eighty five and I was born in eighty seven and he's been had over twenty years at Paris Police Department. And awesome. So being a cop's kid is comes with its advantages and disadvantages. Can only imagine. And then later, he was on the school board at North Lamar, where I graduated. While you were in school? Oh, yeah. And so, man, between teachers at school, and then, I mean, I couldn't get away with anything. So, <laughs> Okay, so you were at North Lamar. That was yep. my next question, is what school you went to. Yep. Um, and, and, man, Dad, okay, Dad's, dad's on the board. Yep. Uh, so what, what did you do? Like, what was your thing? Uh, so I was I was in athletics um, all through junior high. Well, as starting as a kid, but uh, at North Lamar in junior high and high school, I was in athletics and okay. felt pretty good about that. But I, I in high school, I only played football. So in the basketball season, baseball season, um, I was always playing around with music and stuff like that. And they, the, the, the team started asking me to play music and announce during baseball games and basketball games for girls and boys. Okay. So you were doing that kind of stuff even in high school. Yeah. So, really? um, you know, and to cover my time, they would pay me like 25 bucks to come in do the game or something like that. And I was like, wait, so I can play music and talk on a microphone. And make money. And use my deep voice and and, you, and make money, yeah. Did you ever think that that would be a career path? Nah. Nah, no. I just, I mean, but it, it kind of spurs. They're like, hey, you know, so-and-so was having a little birthday party this weekend. Would you mind playing some music for it? And and then it kind of led into um, someone in East Texas Broadcasting giving me a call, and and so I started working at the radio station, and I had a little evening show. Is my, this still in high school? My senior year, second second semester of my senior year. You had a radio show while you in were the in evening. high school. Yeah, really. It, it, we I and mean, I specifically played Texas music, and and I and it continued through when I uh, moved over to PJC. I'm a dragon as well. Really? Okay, okay, we'll get there. We'll okay. get there. Okay. What was it like? Sorry, I want to go back to this because I find this fascinating. What was it like being a student and and a a, a radio talk show? Fun. Or, like, did the kids treat you differently? No, it wasn't that level. But I I did because um, back then radio was it. There was for sure. There wasn't. 
podcast. There weren't. Oh, you didn't even have an iPod. No, it was a CD, or you listened to the radio. And a pager. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. It's at that point, and I for sure milked it a little bit. Oh, I would have a hundred percent. Yeah, and it was. The Texas music scene was really taking off again then, and so I was playing some fun stuff, and it was, I got a lot of, people were calling in, my friends, and it was a lot of fun. It was a good run right That's then. awesome. So how long, okay, wait, so you, what was, before we get there, what was the plan graduating from high school? Like, what did you, what were you thinking? Go to. Go Man, to, I, I, I did not, I was not that guy, like I had a firm plan. You um, were not that guy. No, I, no, I was not. I just, I knew that. I just wasn't a great student, so I didn't feel like college was um, – it wasn't that I was making bad grades. I just didn't enjoy the process of school. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that traditional college maybe wasn't for me, so I was looking for some sort of trade. And then cables and microphones and mm-hmm. equipment was just always in front of me, and I just kind of felt like I was having a niche there. Okay. And people were enjoying that. And I always loved working and doing things and setting up for events and stuff like that. And so it just kind of started taking off. That's awesome. Okay. So you're dragging. What are you going to, like, what is your major? What are you going to school for? So, um, you know, in, through school, I got some scholarships because I never missed a day of school. Whoa, wait a minute. Not a single day. How do we skim over that? You went, you didn't miss a single day of school. No, and I think that's why I got scholarships. People knew I was dedicated to, like, going, even though I wasn't, like, the best student. <laughs> but I always went. I was dedicated to going. Yeah, I, mean, I was there. I might, have, I might have been all there mentally, but I was yes, there. Yes, I was, I was present, <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, so, and I enjoyed the broadcast element. Okay. And so... um they brought me on. So there's the newspaper at PJC called The Bat. Mm-hmm. And um, I started off as a sports editor there mm-hmm. and covered all the sports stuff and then became the lead editor uh, later in my second year at PJC. And so anything within, you know, that's still broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's through print. Yeah. And so anything in the, and I was still working at the radio station at the, at the time too. Okay. So between the radio station in Paris and then writing for The Bat, um, it was it was fun, and so I, I knew I wanted to do something in that realm. Okay. Uh, so after that, I, I moved out of Paris and moved to Irving, and went to a a trade school to learn how to put together sound equipment and literally what's an XLR cable to uh, or an audio cable, anything like that. How it works. Yeah, and and that could have been anything from being in a movie studio or a recording studio for mm-hmm. musicians or setting up like live sound stuff. It is very interesting sometimes to me through working with you how similar our worlds are but yet so different mm-hmm. like cuz we've done several live broadcast things together. We've done some stuff where you're running the sound and we're running all the video aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But like we're over here like swapping cables like hey, can I borrow a cable from you? Yes. Oh, it, there's a huge overlay. Yeah. And, and and then there's even like I've had to learn this the hard way. There's XLR cables that look like XLR cables, but they're not XLR cables. They do something do something else, and I don't know the lingo, but yeah. I've I've learned that. But by working with you, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Well, there's that world. People don't even realize when you go to a concert or something, all that it takes. Just the cable management itself is just 
I wish more people could see the behind the scenes because it's it, you almost have to be an organizer yeah. to do that because there's so much, there's so many cables and there's so many plugs and it's gotten better now. They've got, they've shrunk the mm-hmm. amount a little bit that mm-hmm. you need, yep. but 10 years ago, like the boards were as big as this table, For like sure. a kitchen table yeah. and you got to carry those around and wheel them off. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's fun though. I mean, getting to see, work with the different bands and different types of music and I enjoy all that stuff. So, okay, so you went to trade school for that. Mm-hmm. And did you thrive in that? Was that like your world? I definitely was catching a gear there, like okay. I was digging it. And that I was working uh, part-time at a church, and I was getting into that realm because mm-hmm. there's a lot of bands and stuff that go in and out of churches, and mm-hmm. so that was a great experience there. And then I, you know, I love live music, and I love all this equipment, and so I moved down to Austin for a little while. Okay. And got my dose down there it's a good place to go for, for it. sure yeah there's plenty to do down there and lots of fun and um also so how old are you at this time i uh, turned 20 20 yep. okay when i moved to austin and um man I had a great time down there worked did a lot of corporate audio visual too okay. so working in hotels and convention centers okay and so um that that's where i think i really learned how to deal with the public Okay. and how to treat a client and how to respond when a client may not be happy, things like that. Yeah. So that, that corporate world will really straighten you up pretty pretty well. Were you running it, or were you more of like a contract laborer, or were you an employee? How, was that, how did that dynamic De- look? Definitely more of a contract laborer for the stuff I was doing in Austin, but okay. I still had my business but it was primarily just DJing weddings and stuff like that and so I was still driving to Paris quite a bit or the Metroplex and doing events on the DJ side of stuff Uh, but as far as like running events and things like that I was being hired by a different company at that time gotcha have you met your wife yet in this in this time we had met um, but she was still in this area okay Okay, so, so we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you're in Austin, and uh, you're living in Austin. Yes. But you're still traveling to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and Paris. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I have no other obligation, so I'm just a, again, a guy trying to fill a calendar. Yeah. And if I can work all these events, and, it, and I didn't care about the mileage and just get in the car and go. and It's just your world. That, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just it. trying to literally do as many things. Like, if I can do 365 events, I'm doing it. Really? Okay. So how long were you in Austin for? Just a couple years. A couple years? Yeah. Well, okay, I have a question. What was the best gig you had in Austin? Oh, man. Um, uh, I, so on the corporate side, you still meet a lot of celebrities and stuff. Ooh. Yeah, because it really wasn't necessarily like a band I was getting to run sound for or anything like that. But there were a lot of... I mean, whether it be the governor or whoever, yeah. being down there in Austin, there was always somebody running through. So I don't really have like this incredible name, but there were always like these celebrities running mm-hmm. through. And so, I mean, through the corporate career, I, I follow a bunch of sports stuff. So anything, say, yeah. anything, whether it be Nolan Ryan or Jason Witten, you know, the guys like that, that I get to put a microphone on and just shake their hand and just. And that them. happened. For sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was fun for me. Yeah. Guys like that. And so, especially guys that were on teams that I followed, and I don't know. Now, did you always stay, was it always calm Joe Kyle, or was, was there ever a fanboy Joe Kyle? Oh, I was, I, I had to, I had to be professional, but I was, 
I definitely told him I'm a big fan. Yeah. You know, but I wasn't fan. I wasn't completely fanboy. It's not what people think of when they think of fanboy. No. So I feel like I'm, I don't know that I've ever met anybody super famous or I may have met someone famous, but like it, they weren't famous to me. So I really didn't care. Yeah. Um, but I've never, I don't think I've ever met anyone that I would have fanboyed out on, Yeah. but I would like to think that if I did, I would be super calm Broadway and not, not like yeah. annoying fanboy Broadway. That's right. Cause I, I want to envision that they get that all the time. Yeah. So they want to be tri- treated like a professional. Right. Normal. They professional. Want, I, I assume they strive to be at least a little bit normal. So the one time or a day that someone that is a fan and is still able to treat them like a normal human being, they're probably cherishing those few little times. So they almost might remember you more. I'm with you on that. I would think. For sure. Yeah. They were like, hey, I was actually treated like a normal human being by that guy. Yeah. And he still likes my, my art or my craft. Yes. Um, awesome. Okay. So we're, we're in Austin. We, what got you to want to leave Austin? There's there's a young lady in Honey Grove, Texas. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> How did you meet her? So, um, so <laughs> we don't really tell many people this just because it involved MySpace.com. I won't tell a soul. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll just put it out there on the internet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I like to tell people she just stalked me on MySpace. Really? Yeah, and we just, I don't know, you just send messages, and it was yeah. one of these internet things and it was like an internet hookup before they had like the yeah the the all the things dating apps or whatever yeah but it wasn't that aggressive at all okay and it just happened and so did uh, she chase you for sure (laughs) would she say the same thing (laughs) i think she'd agree to that Okay. okay um but what's what's funny about it as when i was working for the radio station i i covered her brother he played for for honey grove at the time uh, football and so we covered some of their playoff games and she was in the stands uh, this whole time we didn't even know it and really? now That's crazy. he's my brother-in-law and I, he was quarterback and the whole thing so it was cool later looking back on it knowing that we were right. didn't know each other but we were right there that's you know. amazing yeah okay so you, did that get you to want to move back to where so did you move back to paris texas I, uh so i moved um back to arlington okay and uh that's and like so, shorter drive yeah for sure shorter drive and you know the austin life it's um it's really fun but mm. it's also not a place where you put together family and mm-hmm. things like that and so i knew i was entering that stage of life where i knew i wanted a wife and all the yeah. things and so and I knew she was the marrying kind. Like, yeah. I just knew. And so, when you know, you know. You know, you know. And so, the, the dating process for that was fun, and we we just knew, you know. Yeah. And so, it wasn't very much longer after that we got married. So, at this stage, you're back in Arlington. Yeah. Are you traveling still a lot, like Paris, Texas, and even back for to sure. Austin? Yeah. Uh, not as much back to Austin, but it was definitely more back towards the Paris area mm-hmm. and, and, and in Arlington. And, uh, and so the gig work was always going to be there. And so I was knowing at that point that I'm entering a phase of being more self-employed okay. at that point. And so have you done anything else other than this? The only other thing that I've done outside of anything broadcast technical, um, well, I worked at Sears. Was that I in high the, school? I, the the day I turned sixteen, I filled out my application with C. I, I just wanted to work. Yep. And uh, I sold electronics for a while. And man, I, let me tell you something. They had a nice 
commission structure. And for a 16-year-old, I was making some decent cash yeah. back then. That's awesome. So, yeah. I was, it, and it all went towards equipment. I feel stuff. like this is rare that you find someone who, A, found, found their passion and career that early in life. Maybe it's not rare. It feels rare to me. No, it is. I'm blessed. And then, and then we're able to stay on that for this long. I know a lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s that are still kind of looking. They really just feel like they never have been. You know, they went to college maybe. and My mom went back to school at 40. <sighs> yeah. I, I feel like it was at least 28, 29 before I started like realizing – the true aspect of my creative side. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was almost lost mm-hmm. until I did find it. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely later in my in my young adulthood before I even started chasing that right. to get me to where I am now. Yeah. But you found it on in school. You know, and for me, because it did come so easy, I almost kind of take it for granted. Like, I don't even know the other side of it. I see people that, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but yeah. you know, they, they're just looking for their placehold and for me it just kind of happened yeah you know that's amazing dude yeah i'm blessed for sure okay so you're you're back in arlington are you did y'all get married uh yeah so we we got married uh her her grandparents or a lot of her family is from the corsicana area Mm -hmm. and so we actually got married in corsicana okay and so it it allowed people from the metroplex and paris and honey grove and kind of it's not really centralized but it's in a way enough if you wanted to come everyone had to travel how about that yeah (laughs) um what was the wedding like man it was it was perfect um it was in a it was in a country um it was on a ranch in the country Mm -hmm. and um we had about a little over 200 people there and we had a live band and um it was just perfect sunset it was in october i mean it was just literally Perfect. perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. From, from perfect venue to perfect wife. It was all right there on That's that one amazing. day. It was a great day. Okay, so you, you're all married now, and she moved to... We were in Arlington. Arlington. That yeah, works. and so uh, we, like many couples, we got a, an apartment, and we're in a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment, and man, that first year of marriage, you need some space. You know what I mean? Like It's a different... It is... You're changing gears, man. Yep. And there's no this ramen noodle stuff that goes away, and all the things. And yeah. So, it it was it was a change, but man, what a great change! Yeah. But man, that that first year, it's a change. I remember. Yeah. I, I we not to dip on your story, but we got married, and then we moved within six months from Colorado Springs to Paris, Texas, mm-hmm. which was a big change for her because she had never not lived anywhere that wasn't in Colorado. Okay. She traveled other places, but she never lived anywhere. And then within a year or two, we moved her parents to to uh, Paris, Texas. So I just brought the whole family back. <laughs> but no, that first year was definitely tough. Yeah, you know, but it's it's you're growing, you're stretching yourself, but you're growing together. Yeah. So you're figuring out together all the yeah. struggles, all the victories and the losses. If there is such a thing as a loss, it's all you're doing it together. Now, what does she do for? At this point, what does she do for a living? She's always been uh, in the dental field, okay. and so she's she works. Uh, she's a dental assistant for an orthodontist. Okay, and so she's always um, digging into people's mouths and putting braces on. So bless her for doing that. Yeah, I'm I not. No, <laughs> I do not want any part of that. I struggle getting myself done no <laughs> like kidding. that. That's, 
Okay, so y'all are married, and what's next for y'all? Uh, so it, it, we we did the apartment thing for a minute, and then we we bought our first house, okay. and that was a big thing for us, you know, as it is for anybody, anybody yeah. but, you know. And so we were proud. We stayed there in Arlington, and um, she was working at Mansfield, and I was gigging and all the things, and uh, but yeah, that was that was next for us is getting that house. And now, did you stay in the like uh, wedding and events? That, that was a big run for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, was weddings? Okay, I did a, I DJ did a lot of weddings. A okay. lot, and they were fun. Uh, they're a lot of them are the same, but they're still fun. It's still a party, and so my job was getting to be a part of the party every weekend. So, in any stage, did it start feeling like it was like clockwork for you? Like just eat, like yeah, it just it became repetition. Yeah, I mean, if there's fifty two Saturdays in a year, most of them was Work. I was going to be at an event, and so I think that's another thing about Hannah or any wife that's or anybody that's married to someone in the event gig industry they have mm-hmm. to understand what they're getting into yeah and so she took that head on especially knowing that kids are likely on the way and what that means not that she's necessarily a single parent a lot of times but on the weekends mm-hmm. she can is, be yeah you know, so I think no, accepting that before, before even before you get married is a big mm-hmm. pill to swallow that no. is because I, I kind of grew into my career with with married with Kimmy, mm-hmm. um, and and we kind of figured out this this whole mess together. Where you kind of you'd been doing it for a long time, and then she married into it. Right, that's right, and that's and so at least she knew what was coming. Right, but it's still different. It's still different, you know. And so knowing it and living it are very man, different. You're you're right about that in more ways than one. <laughs> so okay, so. At what point did you, because I don't want to jump too far forward, but what point did you go into uh, venue owner? Gotcha. So um, we we bought, um, and when I say we heavily, because you talk about taking another jump mm-hmm. that is scary. Um, mm-hmm. It's one thing just doing gig work and being gone occasionally. It's another one whenever you see a venue pop up that's for sale and you're like, I think I want that. And then I, I remember bringing the idea to her and she goes, she thought I was joking. I really? was like, no, for real. Like I, I, I can, that's a, that's a business that I can see us taking on and we can make it even more successful. Now, after, I mean, what, 20 years of experience at this point? It wasn't, it wasn't 20. I mean, it was every bit of 15 for 15 sure. 15 years yeah. of experience. Did you feel like, okay, I've, I've been in and out of, hundreds of venues do you feel like that brought you a lot of perspective going into being a venue owner oh you can't help but when you step in somewhere you're like man this is really cool i, I if it were me i'd probably I'd do, do this i'd do this and i'll do that yeah. and you know with hair to chawl uh, i'd been in there so many times as a dj yeah that i was like oh this place is so cool it's so unique it's one of all the venues i've been in it's one of the most unique because of what it is you know it's, yeah. it's a it's an old warehouse for the santa fe rail line and so you can't just recreate that it's all brick and wood and and so um i i just treated it as a true investment and it was a business that was already going and mm-hmm. so we just i said I, I think we can do what they're doing and expand and do other things and that's kind of what what happened and that's so awesome 
do you feel like sorry this is kind of weird question but do you feel like okay you came into it and you and you had those thoughts i were like okay i could do this this and this do you feel like you achieved those thoughts those like dreams we we definitely executed them okay. and and delivered like for example heritage hall prior to us buying it was exclusively a wedding venue okay and so i just knew that we i wanted to turn it more into like a multi-purpose event center rather okay. than just a wedding venue and so pretty quickly we started bringing in i say quickly it took about a year but we started bringing in live music mm-hmm. and I've just, I, as you know, always been into the scene. And yep. so we started bringing in Texas country acts and it wasn't very much longer. Uh, we, a church started meeting there on mm-hmm. every Sunday. And so it was like, all of a sudden we've got people in the building three or four days a week, every week. And that's the goal. That's the is goal. Get as many people to walk through those, those doors as possible. Yeah. Okay. So I want to add on, when did party bomb come become a part of that? So it was about three years after we bought here to Chaw. Okay. And so the guy that owned that space before, um, he was looking to make a change, mm-hmm. and it only made sense that we acquired it um, just because of what that space is. And so um, there was never – he didn't obviously have a name for it. It was more of like an apartment for him, and so we just turned it into like a party pad, and it's it's a beer-drinking space, you know. It's, yeah. It's just, it's just – it's a fun room. You watch ball games and play pool and all the things. And I remember the first time I went into it because I didn't know about it, and and uh, I don't know it, it, how long you'd had it when I first went into it. But like I just remember thinking, like this is from a movie. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm in Roadhouse with, <laughs> with um, Patrick Swayze. Uh-huh. Like this is from a movie. Yeah. It is super cool. We're super proud of it, and it really expanded our business from a standpoint of. Yeah, the groomsmen can get married in there that mor- you know, the morning of the wedding or whatever, but then you, we can have any kind of party in there or an event in there. We it, even have Thanksgiving lunches in there. Really? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, it, there, it's no holds barred on that building. That's awesome. Okay, well, tell me, is there, what, what do you know about the history of the building? The, the party barn? Or no, the, the, that whole area, I guess, a little bit. Man, I, I, uh, I'm not as as educated on the party barn i know there was some sort of candy factory or okay. some candy something that, that was, was more of a warehouse that got turned into something yeah, cool yeah but now on the heritage hall side yeah what was it it was a warehouse for the santa fe rail line and then it became a hardware store and then it sat vacant for a long time really and uh dr hayden uh, bought the property and renovated it for his daughter's wedding Really? And then it turned into, hey, this is kind of cool. People would probably rent this. And so they started. In fact, I did a couple of weddings there while Dr. Hayden still owned it. And then it changed hands after the Haydens had it. And then that's who I bought it from. Awesome. So. Okay. So I'm trying to think if I've got any more questions. Um, okay. When did kids come into the into the So picture? we we had... Um, Jackson was about a year when we bought here to Chaw. So okay. he was born in 2014, and we bought here to Chaw in 2015. Okay. And so he's seven now, all of a sudden, you know. And it so fast, man. Yeah. It went, honestly, marriage was already rocking and rolling. You had to bit, throw a business in there, and then you have a kid, and it, time just really takes off. Okay. You just can't even keep up with it, you know. And so. It's crazy. And then little Witten, um, he was born in 18. So awesome. he's he's three three now. So, Yeah. 
Yeah, kids, they're they're the best ever. They are the best ever and the worst ever. Yeah, <laughs> I love them to death. Yeah, um, they can be a handful, but they're they're a part of the whole ride. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so Jax, he loves coming up to the building and helping set up. And do you feel like they have? I know they're young because mine are around the same age. Do you feel like they have any interest in what Dad does? For sure. You know, Witt's still too young, but. Jax just loves to be a part of anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's wanting to be with dad or if that's just wanting to be like a part of the concert Mm -hmm. or whatever's going on. He just, he's always wanted to just be around. And, you know, that I remember all he wanted one year for his birthday was Heritage Hall Keys. No way. That was pretty special for me. So did you do it? Oh, yeah. So he opened up a gift, and there were keys in there. That's amazing. Yeah, so it, it, it was almost like passing the torch way too soon, but at the same time, it's like he felt some ownership in that yeah. place because he's there a lot. I want my kids to do that. Why <laughs> <laughs> won't my kids ask me for keys? Jack's a special. He's special. That's awesome. Kid. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, I have I usually end these with similar questions, um, kind of like we started one. I've got one at the end. If you could pick one place in Paris, Texas, and it can be anything. I mean, it can be food. It could be your favorite tree. Yeah. What is your favorite place to go in Paris, Texas? Uh, be any, like restaurant? Restaurant, anything. Uh, okay. Uh, let me give you a couple. Uh, is that fair? I'm fair. That's okay. Fair. And both of them are food related. Is that weird? <laughs> no, not at all. That's great. <laughs> Um, so growing up, um, the fish fry was a treat. Mm -hmm. Like you don't just get to go to fish fry because it's on a Friday night. Like it had to be someone's birthday or whatever. And so we love, that was a treat for us to get to go to the fish fry. And it's always felt like a high end place and there's nothing that's changed about it. No, I was going to say, it still kind of has that nostalgia. Absolutely. And so, but I've always loved going in there. And to this day, I don't go in there enough, but every time I go in there, it's like, okay, is it somebody's birthday or what what are we doing here? You know, (laughs) but I've always loved the fish fry, but um, I've got my weekly things that I eat for lunch. Yeah. And, but I... Now, is it organized and do you have like a routine to it? Yes. Every Wednesday for lunch, I go to La Bella Rosa. Oh, okay. And they, it's one of those things where I sit down, they go ahead and bring me my half and half tea, and they just bring me they my plate. They just know. They, I mean, You're a rig. Thing. Yeah. I, I never thought I'd be that guy. Like, I'm a regular, but man, if you don't know La Bella Rosa in Paris, that's the best Mexican food. No offense to anybody else, that's the best Mexican food in town. There you go. There you go. But there's, I'm just, I'm just a food, I like good food. Good food. I, I no, don't get me wrong. I love me some good food. <laughs> I don't eat out as much as I probably should. Yeah. It's not because I don't want to support. I love my community. We know yeah. that, and I want to support everybody. We just are very with food. We're very like a homebody eaters for sure. Um, we so I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I do eat out at lunch, but at night in the evenings or mm-hmm. the weekends when I'm available family it's we eat at home and we I'm either on the grill or smoking meat or whatever it is and so we're I, yeah. we love to cook at home too that's awesome so yeah well Joe Kyle thank you for being thanks on for having podcast. me man this, this is fun yeah. I enjoyed this way I expected this to be more like the tax test like it was gonna be really <laughs> hard questions and like interview style but this is fun I get that a lot believe it or not I feel like 
maybe 80% of the time they f- they have this expectation of what it's going to be. Yeah. And even if I tell them, hey, this is really chill, it's really yeah. laid back, they still have this expectation of it being this, I don't know, really test-like thing. Yeah. Um, and they always end it with them saying, this is way easier than I thought it was going to be. Well, it's it's like... I, I knew every question that you were going to ask me, ask me, I knew I was going to know the answer because it's about me. Yeah. But still, there's a little bit of intimidation yeah. there. What so. if I don't know? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, maybe if there's fears, like, what if he asked me, like, a date, then I don't remember the right. date. Or, like, if he asked me, like, something that I don't remember. Or what if one of my family members called me out because <laughs> I, I said it the wrong way? I think about those kind of things. Yeah, for sure. I'm lucky because Kimmy doesn't listen to my podcast. <laughs> so I don't so she get, can't call you out. I don't get in trouble. Yeah, there's no checks and balances there. One of these days, she's going to go back and listen to all of them and see how many times I call her out in a podcast for not yes. listening to my podcast. Yep. And then she's going to get mad at me. Right. Well, that's just... That's just what's going to happen. Because now I try to sneak it in there every podcast. <laughs> a little Easter egg yeah. for Kimmy. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate you. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Bye.